fantastic job that you did yesterday out in the parking lot. That was incredible. Incredible. Way to go, church. Way to serve the community. Way to get out there. That was beautiful and uh, an honor for us to uh, get to witness and, and to celebrate uh, with, with all of you. And uh, I am uh, from New York City, uh, and I bring you greetings from the Dursos and your Christ Tabernacle family. Uh, they, send, uh, they send their love uh, to you this morning. And uh, I'm also very excited because I'm traveling with one of my sons. I've been married for uh, 19 years. Um, my wife, Lisa, we have two sons, Aaron, Christopher, and Corey. Andrew, Corey's with me. Corey, would you stand? Let the church um, say hi to you. And uh, we got in Friday morning. We had the best time. Uh, we've had the best time in the city. Uh, we went to uh, uh, Wrigley Field, went on tour, uh, went to, uh, uh, to see the, the, the Brewers play the Cubs in, in Milwaukee. Um, I, I did commit the unpardonable sin. Um, um, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to eat um, deep dish pizza, but I did. I did. And confession is good for the soul, so I'm, I'm feeling better all, already. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, Pastor Joey is the best Chicago nerd and foodie I've ever met. Pastor Joey, thanks for being an incredible, incredible host. And uh, one more thing before I jump into uh, my message. Um, I want you all to know um, how grateful I am uh, for your pastors. As Pastor mentioned, when I became a Christian, um, I was a young boy in the church. And your pastor used to teach Sunday school. And I would come into church early and I would sit in the back and I would watch Pastor Paniagua teach the Bible. And I would say to myself, when I grow up, I want to teach the Bible like Pastor Paniagua. Now, just a few minutes into my message and you will discover very quickly that God did not answer that prayer. But I will tell you, I'm so grateful for Pastor Paniagua. The indelible impact that his life and leadership has had on, on my life, I am forever grateful. And so to be here this morning, having the privilege to preach in his church is completely overwhelming. I've said this before, um, Pastor Paniagua is my, my Puerto Rican Charles Stanley. And I would like to meet all of you at the end of the service because after that comment, that will be my last time at Belmont Assembly. So I would just love to meet all of you now because I'll never see you again. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Mark, the fifth chapter. Brother, thank you so much. I'll get you back up here in a minute. And uh, I want us to sing Child of God. So we'll get the team ready for that. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on. Get to the book of Mark, the fifth chapter chapter, the fifth chapter. The title of my message this morning is The Other Side. Turn to your neighbor and say, The Other Side. 
Turn to your second choice neighbor and say the other side. Speaking of Jesus, John chapter 1 verse 14 in the message translation reads like this. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. The NIV translation says he made his dwelling among us. When we get to Mark chapter 5, the disciples have just endured a storm. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Sometimes storms are distractions designed to keep you from getting to the other side. Sometimes storms are distractions designed to keep us from getting to the other side. But I love what Mark chapter 4, the 35th verse tells us, Jesus speaking, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Jesus said it. Let us go over to the other side. It was Jesus' idea. Let us go over to the other side. The other side. What's so important on the other side? Why does Jesus want to go to the other side? Contextually, it would be important for us to know that no God-fearing Jew would ever go to the, to the other side. As a matter of fact, if you go to Israel today, your tour guide will most likely point out the demarcation, the line that goes right down the middle, the geographical demarcation that goes right down the middle, separating the Jewish territory from its Gentile neighbors. You see, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the other side is what we call in, in New York City, ratchet and reckless. Wicked and wild, Gentile territory, defilement country. And yet, Jesus still wants to go to the other side. We're going to see in just a moment that when Jesus and the disciples eventually get to the other side, the disciples don't even get out of the boat. The other side is the far country where some commentators suggest that the prodigal son went in the parable when he took his father's inheritance and spent it on wasteful and wild living. The Bible says that he set off for a distant country, deep into the other side, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. I'm going to argue this morning that Jesus, the rabbi, the master teacher, is taking his disciples and us on a field trip to the other side. The other side is where the wild things are, and Jesus goes where the wild things are. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it reads like this. 
they went across the lake to the region of the garrison, and when Jesus got out of the boat, filed that. Only Jesus gets out of the boat. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. The man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart, broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Look up here. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't take a selfie from Galilee with the other side in the distance talking about we out here doing big things in the wild. He goes to the other side. He, he plants himself on the other side. And the Bible tells us that no sooner does Jesus arrive to the other side to establish kingdom presence, he's met by a man who's possessed by evil. Jesus hasn't even said a word. It is his presence that is felt. And Jesus hasn't said a word. And the Bible says that his very presence disrupts evil. Because ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, everything changes when Jesus comes. Nothing stays the same when Jesus comes. When Jesus shows up, something has to shift. When Jesus shows up, something has to change. You can come as you are, but you can't stay as you are because everything changes when kingdom comes. People, places, things can't stay the same when Jesus comes. The Bible tells us that this man lived in the tombs. Luke tells us that he's naked. He cries. He cuts himself. He represents the spiritual condition of the people in this region where the wild things are. Lost people, broken people, vulnerable people, desperate people, people that are exposed, people that are tormented day and night. Your city, my city, maybe someone in this room, maybe someone you served in the parking lot yesterday. And Mark tells us that all attempts at human rehabilitation had been exhausted. Did you notice that he said no one could do this and no one could do that? Sounds like Alicia Keys. No one, no one. No one. No one. And maybe you're here today. And maybe you've said to yourself, no one can change me. No one can change my spouse. No one can change my kid. No one can change the neighborhood. No one can change the city. No one. No one. And you know what? If I talk with you, I might agree with you, except that unbeknownst to that city and unbeknownst to, that in, to those inhabitants, Jesus 
had already made a decision to go to the other side. And because Jesus made that decision, I want you to know that with that decision comes an agenda. With that decision comes an agenda. And Jesus' agenda is a search and a rescue mission because Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That which is lost. And so I'm here to tell somebody, Jesus already made a decision about you. (laughs) And because Jesus made a decision about you, here's the word of the Lord for you. Um, You can run, but you can't hide. Okay? He going to find you. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. He going to find you. He going to find you. Because when Jesus makes a decision, it comes with an agenda. I want you to know that what you see right now is not present. Your present is not indicative of your future. Because everything changes when kingdom comes. This is why the Bible says that Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. It's why he left the 12 disciples in the boat to go after the one. The text also tells us something very interesting. The text tells us that the evil spirit acknowledges that Jesus is the son of the most high God. I find this ironic because the disciples are in the boat and they still haven't gotten over the fact that Jesus calmed the storm. This is what they're saying. Who then is this that even the winds and waves obey him? And while they're questioning his nature, the demon is fully cognizant of his deity and authority. And I'm a little jealous. How do demons have better doctrine than the disciples? We get to Mark chapter 5, verse 8, and Jesus says this. Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And with those words, backed by a kingdom that will know no end, this man is delivered from evil. He's set free. What a relief it must have been for this man. Could you imagine living in a cemetery, naked, tormented, cutting himself with stones, and everything changes. And I want you to know for this man, the change was instant. The change was drastic. For most of us, change is a slow process. Nevertheless, the change that we so desperately need is found in Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with more money or a bigger house or a nicer car, but you and I know enough that those things don't ultimately satisfy. Created things are always a poor substitute for our relationship with the creator. And what we need, or should I say who we need, is Jesus. Now, I got to warn you, there is a seismic shift in the text. And you honestly might not believe what I'm going to read next, but I encourage you to go home. It's in the Bible. 
Mark chapter 5, we get to verse 10. And now after this episode, verse 10 says this. And he, the evil spirit, begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Not to send them out of the area. Why does the evil spirit beg not to leave the area? Not to leave the territory. This teaches us something. The enemy, the prince of the air, is not going to voluntarily give up territory. The territory in your mind, the territory in your heart, the territory in your neighborhood, the territory on your college campus, the territory on your job. He's not going to voluntarily give up the territory because to have the territory is to maintain control. To occupy is to maintain control. And so we see the evil spirit begging not to leave the territory because to occupy is to control. But I'm so grateful that when Jesus comes, he comes with an agenda and he comes with an eviction notice and the eviction notice says, you don't have to leave, but you do got to get up out of here. You got to get up out of him, get up out of her, get out of my house, get out of my child, get out of my marriage, get out of my neighborhood. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. Because when Jesus comes, everything changes when kingdom comes. You got to go. This is why Jesus taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Every day we should be praying and inviting the kingdom of God to come. After we reverence him for who he is, we get right to business. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Get right to it. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth. Let your will be done in my marriage. Let your will be done in my family. Let your will be done in the life of my children. Let your will be done in my church. Let your will be done in my city. Let your will be done in this country. Let your will be done. Invite the kingdom. Invite the kingdom. Because everything changes when kingdom comes. When kingdom comes. We get to Mark chapter 5, the 11th verse, and the Bible says this. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, why don't you send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them? Verse 13, he gave them permission. He gave them permission. And the impure spirit came out, went into the pigs, and about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. Look up here. If it wasn't in the Bible, you wouldn't believe it. But let's do the math. 2,000 pigs. I did a little research. A pig at its fastest is about 11 miles an hour. 2,000 pigs, 11 miles an hour, oink, oink, splash. Oink, oink, splash. So it takes a little while. But the Bible says something very interesting 
and I don't want you to judge them because we probably would have did the same, but let's read it and see. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the demon sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Look up here. I don't know how it is in Chicago, but I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to keep it 100, okay? I'm half Puerto Rican, half Dominican. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, okay? So I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if, I, if there was 2,000 pigs running down the street, okay, we call in the police. Okay, we're going to turn on the IG and the Snapchat, and we're going to be like, yo, we out here in the streets. There's mad pigs out here. Hashtag Cubano sandwich. Hashtag, hashtag Bernin. Hashtag Chuletas. I mean, we would just be going bonkers. We letting everybody know, yo, it's going off in the street. It's going off. And the Bible says, because of this commotion, because of this spectacle, the Bible says that the people came and they came to see what, what had happened. They, they came to see the pigs. They, they came to see the pigs. And when they got there, not only did they see the pigs, but Jesus was there. And, and the, the man who had been demon-possessed was there. I hope you're taking notes. Jesus is giving us strategy. They came for the pigs, but when they got there, they saw Jesus, and they saw a miracle in skin. Like yesterday, when we were outside in the parking lot, they came for a backpack, and when they got here, they saw Jesus, and they saw miracles in skin. Church, can I encourage you? Can we stop judging people for why they come and just be happy that they came? So what? So what they come for a backpack? So what they come for a hot dog? So what? Let's just be happy that they came because when they come, they might meet Jesus or, or they might stumble on a miracle because, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, if you ever saw somebody running naked in the street, I want you to know that you would never forget that person. So could you imagine? Could you imagine the people when they came and saw the pigs in the lake and they see Jesus and they're like, oh, we heard about you, but then they stumble on. Uh, aren't you uh, crazy, man? Aren't you the guy from the cemetery? Aren't you the guy who used to cut stones on your body? What, what, what happened to you? My man is sitting next to Jesus with clothes on. Hair done, nails done, everything there. Okay, on his Instagram, at formerly naked, like just chilling. 
chilling. And the Bible says that they were afraid because Jesus has the power to so radically change your life, it would scare you. It would scare you. And so the Bible says that they, they stumble on the miracle and listen to what the people say. Verse 16, musicians, come help me. Those who had seen it, seen what? The pigs, the miracle. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon possessed, and they told them about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Look up here. What? What? You know what this teaches me? Not everyone will be happy with your presence. The late Warren Wiersbe said it this way. Some people love the swine more than they love the Savior. Jesus doesn't come to make us a little better. He comes to disrupt. He comes to completely change. He comes to transform. And I know that there's a gospel circulating that suggests that you could have your cake and eat it too, but that's not really the gospel. And so Jesus comes, and now this man in his right mind, completely changed by the power of God. What a beautiful, beautiful miracle. But there's some people that didn't want it. And that is an unfortunate truth. To be so close to the thing you need. To be so close to the thing you need. Because we have free will, we get to choose. Will we accept or will we reject? Jesus makes a decision that makes this passage of scripture one of my absolute favorite. And here's why. Before Jesus sent the disciples out to do ministry, you know your Bibles, you know this, what I'm about to say. Jesus came up with a policy that said, if you go somewhere and they don't want you, leave the city. But before you leave, you dust yourself off like, that's like the Brooklyn way of saying, you can't handle none of this. Okay? He says, dust your feet. And when you do that, you declare judgment. Jesus had every right to play that card. But because he has an insatiable appetite for the other side, and because Jesus told his disciples, I have food you know nothing of, he says, I'm not going to play that card. He calls an audible, and he actually does something else. The Bible goes on to say, and this is how the story ends, the Bible says that the man whose life had been changed is now following Jesus. Because when Jesus changes your life, following him is always the appropriate response. All right, so check it out. Jesus and uh, the guy, and he 
and he gets to the boat. Would anybody like to tell me who's in the boat? The disciples, because the disciples love to be in the boat. We love the boat. I thank God for the boat. But we're always in the boat. Sunday we're in the boat. And then on Wednesday we're in the boat. And then we go to small group and we're in the boat. And if you're a young adult, I want you back in the boat tonight in the other room because we got another service. I love, I love the boat, but I got to tell you something. I'm from Brooklyn, okay? If I was running with a crew and I had beef, I just, when I get to heaven, that's one of the questions I had. Any of those guys think once, hey, is Jesus all right? <laughs> okay? Jesus is fighting demons and the disciples in the boat doing God knows what. I'm just saying. So because this guy's a rookie, he follows Jesus. He sees the disciples in the boat, and he asks a question. He says, can I go with you? Because he thinks being a Christian means hanging out in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus does something very interesting. He says, no. He said, no. Now, some of you are like, Jesus, that's not nice. He a new Christian. He didn't even take the discipleship class in the church and the baptism class. That's not nice. You should have let him go in the boat. Why you do that? And besides, the demons ask you to go in the pigs, and you say yes. And now he asks you a question, and you say no. He said yes to the demons because they had to leave. He said no to the guy because he needed him to stay. Listen to what he says. He said, no. Here's what he said, verse 19. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell them, the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. Here's the audible. Here's the strategy. Jesus says, they don't want me, I'm going to go. But because I love them, I'm going to leave you. They don't want me, but they know you. They know your lifestyle. They know what you came from. And so they might get to me through you. So wherever you live and wherever you work, and whatever school you go to, and whatever college campus, wherever you are, I want you to know that if you carry Jesus, you are a faithful presence and you're a faithful witness. And we need you to stay because God may have you planted in that situation because he needs your witness. Well, I don't really like it here and my boss is crazy and I don't really like it and I need another job and I, need a, I just need like change in my life. And I'm all good with it. But you have to ask yourself the kingdom question. Why am I here? Why am I here? Is it possible that the only reason why you're there is because there's somebody on the other side that doesn't want Jesus, but they know you. And maybe they get to Jesus through you. 
So he says, you got to stay. And then the Bible says, the people were amazed. And that would be a beautiful end to my message, except that Jesus has an insatiable appetite for the other side. So when you turn the page and you get to Mark chapter 6, it says this. They crossed over, they landed at the Gennesaret, and they anchored there. And as soon as they got out of the boat, the people recognized Jesus. The people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the region carrying the sick on the mats wherever they heard. And when they went to the villages, the town, they placed the sick, and they begged them to let them touch even the cloak, and they touched all who were healed. you got to be kidding me. The people that were asking him to go, when Jesus comes back, they recognize him. Answer this question. How did they recognize Jesus? They recognized Jesus because of the man that stayed in the city, faithful presence, faithful witness, and the next time Jesus comes, the people that were begging him to go are now begging him to heal, begging him to touch, begging him to bless. And that would be a beautiful end of my sermon and a beautiful end of the story, except that Jesus has an insatiable appetite for the other side. So we turn the page and we get to Mark chapter 7, and it says this in verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, and he went back down to Galilee to the region of the Decapolis. There he goes again. This Jesus, this Jesus is something else. He's always thinking about the marginalized. He's always thinking about the people on the other side, the other side, the other side, and he gets there, and there's some people who brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on them, and at this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Wow, all of this, because Jesus made a decision to go to the other side. And because of a disciple who was willing to stay. And if you know anything about your Bibles, you know that Dicopolis represented ten cities. Ten cities touched by the gospel. All because Jesus was willing to go to the other side. And all because there was a disciple willing to stay on the other side. My prayer for us as a church is that we would be the kind of people that we would own where we are. That wherever God has placed you, that wherever God has called you, if you're a part of this church, own it. This is your calling. This is your place. Be a faithful witness. Be present. Be a witness. God wants to use you on the job, at school, the bus, the train, the person you work with in the cubicle next to you, the person you ride with in the patrol car, wherever God has placed you. That's your other side, and it is my prayer in a moment. We'll pray together that God would help us to be the kind of people that would be a witness to him, because I don't know about you in my city. There's 8.6 million people that need Jesus, and there's beautiful churches and amazing believers. But if you add all those people on any given Sunday and you compare it to the amount of people that still don't know Jesus, we're not killing it. We're not crushing because there's so many more people on the other side. And God has called each and every one of us to play, play our role. Could I ask you to bow your heads all over this building? I do want to pray one more way. The singers are in place. And, uh, you know, during worship, we were singing the song, I am a child of God. I, I love that song. 
It is a beautiful song. But I always wonder if there are people in the room being misled because you don't become a child of God because you sing the song. You become a child of God when you make a decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So maybe you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you would say, Pastor Ralph, you know what? I'm like that guy. I'm on the other side. I got more issues than Sports Illustrated. I got issues. I got struggles. I I have sin in my life, out of control. I, I I need Jesus. And maybe you're here today and through worship and the message, it's become clear to you at this moment that you're on the other side. The beautiful thing about that is all you have to do is acknowledge it and be willing to receive the gift of Jesus. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you'd say, Pastor Ralph, um, I feel like you're talking to me today. I feel like you're reading my mail. I feel like you got my number. It's not really me. It's the Holy Spirit. And I would love to offer anyone the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Here's what I know. It'll change your life. I could never imagine in my wildest dreams that I would be where I am today. Not because I'm smart, not because of anything, but the grace and mercy of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you would say, Pastor, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Or maybe your faith was in Jesus one time. You want to want to make that decision. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to just lift up your hand right now and say, Pastor Ralph, that's me. Lift it up. Let me pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Hands going up. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Beautiful. Could I ask you all to stand to your feet, please? We're going to sing this song together, but I want to I want to do one more thing. If you lifted up your hand, I would love for you to come forward here so that I I can pray with you. I know that could be a little nerve-wracking, but there are people already coming. Yeah, just come. Yeah, just come. And you know what? If you're in a season of your life and you feel like you're struggling and you're on the other side of something and you just need the Lord, I want you to come on. Get out of your seat. Come forward. Let's pray together. Yeah, come here, young man. Young man, come here. Me, but right here, you just come. Yeah, we'll wait. Let's um, let's start the same child of God. Yeah, if there's any workers or leaders that can come along and pray, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you come, you come. Thank you, man. Listen to me, that's a great song. And the writer wrote the song talking about I'm no longer a slave to fear, what the fear of judgment. Why? Because now I'm a child of God through what Jesus Christ has done for me, right? And this is these precious lives. We're going to be talking with them and praying with them in a moment. But there's another fear, a fear that grips the people of God and keeps them in the boat. Somehow we are convinced that we're going to sound foolish and nobody wants to sound foolish, We're convinced we don't know what to tell people, what to say to people. So the fear of rejection, the fear of ridicule teaches us it's safer in the boat. And what I love about this story in the Bible is that Jesus sent this guy out having never, ever had a Bible lesson, 
Jesus didn't tell him what to say except just tell them what I've done for you. That's all you need to tell them. How many can do that? Come on. We can tell people that. You don't need to tell them a, a lot of Bible stories or verses. Just tell them what God has done for you. And the amazing thing is that Jesus went to the other side for one life, and that one life impacted not one city, ten cities, and opened the door so that when Jesus came back, the people were receptive. God can use all of us to have an powerful impact in our community, in our family, in our neighborhood, wherever it might be on our jobs. Come on, if that's your heart's desire, I just want you to lift up your right hand as I close in prayer. Your right hand lifted up saying, you're, gonna, you're in agreement. This is what I want, Jesus. I want your grace and your strength. I thank you for all that you have done in my life, Lord. I thank you, God, that you have done a tremendous change in my life, and I have a story to tell. You want me to get out of the boat and stay where you've placed me so that I can make a difference in people's life. I can tell them about all the good things that you have done in my life. God, every single one of us that has our hand raised, we have that story to tell people. And I pray this morning, oh God, as we have heard your word now, now we want to be the same people like that man who don't get in the boat, but rather stay where you have us so that we can make an impact. Lord, so that we can at the very least prepare the way so that when you do go there, the people will be more responsive to you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for every life that's been changed, and I thank you for every life that will be changed. And we pray for your kingdom to come. Let your kingdom come, God. Let your kingdom come, Lord. For the glory of your name, we pray all this. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord. We're going to stay just for a moment to talk with these in the front. I'm going to dismiss you in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have an incredible day in him. God bless you all.